The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. On the Alderanian Minox. They don't have a home field advantage this season. On top of that, I heard they're sponsored by the Dark Times Podcast. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Sam, as always, and every week, for now, now and forever. I'm St- I'm Sam. Are you sure about that? I'd like to think so. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Steven, uh, Sam. We have like a big, we got a big meaty chunk this episode. There's a big, there's some meat in this there's one. Some meat folks, in this let one. me it's, tell you. We I'll, dropped the meat in our laps and we played with it a little bit. Oh, <laughs> wow. We, and we formed That's this exciting. meat into a man. This meat is a man. It's a man meat. <laughs> All right. Um. Now that the losers aren't listening anymore, <laughs> let's get on to it. So, uh, Stephen, before we talk about what we want to talk about this week, uh, oh, yeah. you got an email. We, right? got, we got an email from a friend of the show. Iro, let me just Iroh. pull that up here. Iro writes in, Hi guys, I'd like to propose a subject for one of the next show episodes. From my side, in the past, and sometimes have also today, some problems with stealth rules, concealment, etc. Maybe a clarification from your side could be helpful for both new and experienced players. For example, when can I try to hide? If I have concealment or total concealment, how does this affect stealth? If I have concealment, I can always try and sneak around, or not. I think that something like Grapple 101, Combat 101, or Leveling Up 101 found on the wiki could also be helpful for stealth. A stealth episode is definitely called for, and I can certainly see that uh, down the line in the future. And I do love the idea of a, a stealth one. Because, like, you know, the grappling page has its own fucking flowchart. Yeah, a flowchart. Well, like, we're yeah. losing it in the stealth department over here. Um, Iroh, you're definitely not alone. Uh, me and many others over the years have kind of struggled with stealth uh, for, for a while in the system. And that's because... The stealth rules, like many other areas of Swissy, are purposefully left ambiguous to give the game masters the maximum amount of freedom to adapt their story to the game's rules. Uh, I can brush over your questions here just real quick, and then down the line you can absolutely expect a stealth episode. First question, when can you try to hide? Well, Sam, when can you try to hide in real life? Um... Anytime when you yeah, have right. a place to hide, yeah, in, right? Yeah, yeah. Hide, yeah, absolutely. I mean, doing so, you if in the scene in the encounter that you're constructing, if there's a way for your character to hide, and granted, there's not rules particularly for what counts as hiding and what isn't, because you can agree with your game master. Can I hide in that trash can? Can I hide around that corner? Things Is there like a that. Duct I can hide in. Exactly. Our personal favorite. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We love venting. So, yeah, Iro, when can you try to hide? Well, when you can hide. Um, if you have concealment or total concealment, how does this affect stealth? Iro, I'm so glad you asked. Concealment doesn't impart any bonuses to stealth, but what it does do is enable you to hide, because obviously something that conceals you could probably count as a place to hide. Um, when you're... Concealed. Targets trying to notice you take a minus five penalty to their perception check to try and find you. Your stealth check is, of course, opposed by everyone's perception check when they try to find you. 
total concealment gives a minus 10 penalty to those trying to look for you. So no bonuses to stealth here. Concealment does enable you to hide, but those looking for you with concealment or total concealment will take that penalty minus five or minus 10 to their perception. And forgive me if I'm wrong. It's a swift action to try and notice enemies. I believe so. Yeah. The no, that's, that's Pathfinder again. It's called, (laughs) (laughs) it's called notice targets in saga edition. And it's an application of the perception uh, skill. It, it's a little ambiguous and well, it's ambiguous and also specific kind of simultaneously. Um, when a target crosses your line of sight, you can make a perception check as a reaction to try and notice them. Okay. Um, you can also search a pre-designated area as a perception check as well. But yeah, it's uh, otherwise. So detecting a target that enters your line of sights, like I said, it's a reaction. Actively looking or listening for hidden enemies, that's a standard action. Now, you don't necessarily need concealment to make a stealth check. No, not necessarily. I'm looking at the uh, create a diversion to hide. Yes. So other players or you can use deception checks to create an opening for another player to use a move action to make a stealth check. Yes, absolutely. So it's that, weird because unlike other skill checks, it's it's usually like a standard, right? But for yeah. stealth, it's specifically a move. Again, this is where yes is the short answer to that. But <laughs> that that what action that is to do that little hiding is usually move action because you're moving to a hiding place. You can't just tap a scout trooper on his shoulder to create a diversion, turn his head, and then duck away. You still need a hiding place. Batman does that, Steven. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Batman's a very high-level, you know, vigilante. Crime boss, even. I've seen him stat of those. Um, Crime boss? Yeah, oh, cause yeah. Because Robin's, fall- Robin's, a, Robin's a minion. I yeah, guess, exactly. Right? And, That's- you know, the, the interpretation was that Crime Boss was more, he's more educated about crime and okay. uses that knowledge to his advantage. It's an old Order 66 thing. But you're totally right about creating a diversion to hide. If you can reach a hiding place of some kind as a move action, that's under the created diversion to hide. And that move action is, like I said, that's getting to a hiding place. No matter how good your deception skill is, you cannot hide in plain sight. Yeah. Would you use, like, would full cover? 100%. Because if they don't see where you go. To yeah. Get the- There's times where you may have cover, but not necessarily concealment. I'm thinking of like low objects where you can stand yeah, in like, them and, like and gain cover. Soft cover, I wouldn't count as concealment. Exactly. Right? Soft cover also, you know, in not so many words, the, a flesh guy, a flesh bag, your friend standing in front of you. Um, you can't really hide behind someone like that unless you're small. But when it comes to like cover, like low objects or, you know, even like dedicated like sandbags, things like that don't traditionally offer concealment, but do offer cover. Those are hiding places. I mean, if you think about them practically, of course they're hiding places. You can hide behind them. Those count as uh, valid hiding places for a stealth check as well. So being like using a move action to make a stealth check when I have an opening to do so, that gives me concealment after that from, from targets or how does it work? Well, it depends on what you're hiding behind. Like for example, you might gain concealment from a smoke cloud, but not cover. You might gain cover from some sort of bulwark promontory, but not necessarily concealment, if that makes sense. Now, if you're completely behind a wall, you know, we call that total cover. Yeah. Um, This is, as you can tell, this is fairly pedantic. It can get a little ambiguous at times. Uh, Sam and Iroh, follow your heart. You know, think about the situation. (laughs) If your character can stealth in that situation, then they can. Um, it's, it's kind of best to just close these apps with good old common sense. Um, I'm sure someone out there can break down stealth, um, in a very nitty gritty, easy to understand way. And then maybe we can get those contributions on the wiki for a nice stealth one oh one. Yeah. Something concise. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I would, you could 
potentially rule that uh, an unaware combatant of you, yeah. you would gain, you would get surprise on them, of course, causing them to be either flat footed or losing their dex bonus to their reflex, hundred percent. And it's just. It's not. It's not explicitly written out. In yeah, the rules that's, for that's Saga the edition problem, the problem with stealth. Not just in Saga Edition, but also many other games of its time. Stealth is kind of ambiguous as to how to run it. Run it well, for what makes sense. Think you know realistically and critically about the situation you're in. Um, if your player wants to stealth, the answer should probably be yes, because chances are they built into it, and they're using creative thinking to gain a tactical advantage in an encounter, and that should always be rewarded. Absolutely. They're not just shooting. No, exactly. They're not shooting guns. No. They're hiding than shooting guns. Hiding than shooting. Hiding and shooting. that's tactics. That's tactics. <laughs> <laughs> tactics at its finest. So, Iroh, I hope that clarifies but stealth that, I hope that bit. satiates you for the time being. Yeah, and then maybe we'll revisit the subject with a, quite a bit more detail and more research under our under our arms. Um, all right. I, th- I think it's time for the, the, the ground beef the meatloaf. The man meat of this. The man meat of, of this, this episode. Of this episode. Uh, Steven and I were talking about this for a while. This is our, like, level one character building. Yeah. Uh, you guys asked, several of you asked for a newbie episode. Um, several of you aren't newbies but love newbie episodes. So we're just going to be building some level one characters and walking through character creation step by step. Um, this might not be terribly interesting to you. You may have built dozens of Swissy characters, but stick around and hang out and maybe contribute your own thoughts once you're through with the episode. And from what Steven and I have done, we, we built level one characters ahead of time. Oh yeah. And he was telling me earlier, he was like, wow, I want to play Swissy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> so you're totally right. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause like I, I built, you know, I, I woke up, rolled out of bed, had my coffee. I was like, all right, better build this character for the episode today. And, uh, I was like, okay, just built kind of a chore. Um, but as I sat down and got into it, I was like, man, I, I really love Saga edition. Building a level one character in the system is super fun. Yeah. It, it always has it's, been. It's the potential behind that level one character is what it is. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, you go on the, the subreddit, the wiki, you find those CL 15, like here's how to get the fat most of my attacks in one round. Yeah. And that's the fun. fastest. Absolutely. And that is fun. But there's something about like, wow, what is this character's story? And what is like, what's their sort of deal yeah. after level one? By the time I was done building this character, I kind of was just holding them in my hand. Like, oh, this is a seed. This is infinite potential. You know, the directions you can go with a level one character in Saga Edition are infinite. And that's, I think, my favorite thing is a personal statement, personal opinion. Um, not sponsored by the not, show. Not hey, sponsored yeah. by the show. Yeah. Not um, endorsed by the podcast. The, Steven, a Steven opinion. Let's hear it. The weakest point of fifth edition is that it feels like there's only so many level one fighters, only so many different level one wizards. And in fact, you know, if you're working with just a few, the, just the base books, there is one kind of human fighter, one kind of human wizard, etc. I I agree. Well, well, so like with Saga edition has prestige classes, you know, level eight, you start getting yeah. those super crazy specializations and stuff. Of course. However, with fifth edition, it's like level three and then levels one and two are just kind of like, you got a sword. (laughs) (laughs) Even at level one saga edition, God, how many different level one scoundrels could you make? How many many. different level one Jedi could you make? That's why talents and feats are such a, it's, it's a very 3.5 thing, but I think it definitely has its place. It's the strength of the 3.5 family. Uh, Absolutely. Well, um, let's get into our discussion here. But before we oh, make characters, Stephen, yes. we have to sit down, preferably at a session zero with our GM, yes. and consider what is the time frame for these characters. Yes. I'm not going to be making 
Ewoks. No, in Star Wars the is Old defined. Republic. Yeah. I mean, okay, I could make an Ewok in an Old you Republic could. setting, but my GM would have to work with me on that. Exactly. And Star Wars is defined by epochs, by different eras. This is our favorite thing about it, that Star Wars is such an expansive creative work. We have kind of different sub worlds that we can work in. And that's the cool thing about eras of play. In the spirit of self-indulgence, we're just going to talk about building characters for dark times. Your GM would usually have like an era of play in mind, Old Republic, High Republic, Clone Wars, Dark Times, Empire, High Empire, Legacy Era. God forbid Legacy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. But for our, you know, as Steven said, for our ease and maybe because we have a little soft spot for it, these are going to be some Dark Times level one characters we're working on. Absolutely. And again, another personal opinion here. Look out. Swiss Eve lends itself very easily to this era of play, I think. But it lends itself easily to many eras of play, but something about Dark Times kind of fits Swissy like a glove, well, in my got, opinion. You've got the you you have a monolithic power Absolutely. in place in the galaxy that is inherently bad. Yes. And inherently just out outright going around and killing people. Yeah, just <laughs> doing explicitly evil things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very easy to unite a party against a threat like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it's not something like Clone Wars where the and the separatists are yeah. yeah there's a good episode of clone wars where ahsoka meets like separatists yeah and, they, and they're just normal ass people separatists can be sympathetic figures you know this is a great they're discussion. not all racist caricatures exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and even you know thinking of knights of the old republic you know the the jedi versus sith conflict like what revan got up to how the jedi were hesitant to engage but revan was doing the right thing by breaking away from the jedi and there was all its own sense of rebellion to that act so the Dark Times is is a much simpler, oh, less intriguing, sure. good versus evil conflict, and it's a lot of people's entry point. To yeah, Star it's a lot Wars. of people. Rise of the Rebellion, yeah, stuff like that. A lot of people think about this imagery in this era and th- these symbols when they think about Star Wars. You, you don't want players to come to your table and be like, "Yeah, we're gonna fight Darth Vader." It's like, well, he's five right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you could. It's just kind of evil. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, what's after deciding an era of play in our case, the dark times next yeah. up is generating ability scores. Oh yeah. This is a fun part. And there's ways to do it. There's all right. Everyone has their way. They like doing it. Yes. There's there's yes. You can roll 46 for each stat, drop the lowest. That's pretty standard amongst most RPGs. Very old. If school. you like rolling dice, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if you're an unlucky son of a bitch like myself and you get like three, 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 three on all your stats. That's not fun. I I mean, it can be fun. It can be. But I don't want to be Boo Boo the Fool over here. Like, she, like can't hit the broadside of a barn. No, and this this is, you know, it's it's the traditional way of rolling up a character. That's where the phrase rolling up a character comes from. And it has its diehards. And, you know, if you want to do it, go right ahead. It's a fine, proven way of building a character. Out of a party of five or six players... Odds are, and I know someone will crunch the exact odds and tell me, <laughs> but odds are someone's getting the short end of this of the probability stick. And for a new player, that can be the nail. Like that can be like the it's stick. Disheartening. You yeah. start out at a disadvantage against all these other experienced players. That's I will a never. Bummer. I would never want to play Sag Edition if I had uh, the Gungan four <laughs> stats across the board character. <laughs> I was like, well, I I like Jar Jar Binks. I wanted to play a Gungan, but I rolled four for all my stats. No, I don't want to. No one wants to play that character. Now, Saga, it's not fun for them. It's not. Uh, Saga does give us something. If your scores are too low, I'm reading right out of the core rule book here. If your scores are too low, you may scrap them and re-roll all six scores. Your scores are considered too low if your total modifiers before species changes are zero or less. I think that means all your modifiers sum up to yeah. zero. 
or if your highest score is 13 or lower. And dear God, if your highest score is 13 or lower, I'm sorry. But yeah, so Saga Edition does give us some wiggle room there. But Sam and I prefer the latter two methods to yeah. character generation. Again, we're not hating on you. If you prefer rolling up a character, it's, like I said, proven as a very, very great way of making a character. But Steven, these are heroes. Yes. And these are heroic characters going up against in- insurmountable odds. I agree. So I think they should be above average. I agree. I don't think Luke Skywalker's got tens in all I, his stats. I don't think so. Maybe one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, probably intelligence. Uh, what we're doing for this episode, for our, our level one characters that we're going to be putting up at the end of the episode, are a standard score array. Yeah. So we're looking at 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8. Really good for keeping a party balanced. Great for new players. And it's still, personally, I, my problem with some systems is they don't give you enough flaws yes and it's fun to play flaws it is we love flaws so it's nice to have an eight you, get, you know you got a minus one gotta put that eight somewhere you gotta exactly. choose something bad at and that's great because it encourages party diversity those and holes no, are going to be filled by another party member and no matter what your heart tells you do not put the eight in con please i put the eight in con no <laughs> fucking 12 hit points over here 12 hit points steve <laughs> actually i don't think I, put, I don't think i put the eight in con for this build but normally i would <laughs> I think I put it in decks, actually, but we'll we'll get to that later. And then the alternate is point buy. Point buy is, I'd say, very popular these days. Uh, not just maxing players, yeah, not just in Saga Edition, but across the board. We use point buy at least when I game master, pretty much as often as we can. For uh, experienced players, it's it's a welcome change. Yep, for someone know? who knows exactly what they want to do, it's perfect. Yeah, and um, starting out at level one with a character who has like eighteen decks yeah. is empowering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Um, Point by is a little difficult to explain on the radio, I think, on each, air. Each number has a point value to it. Yeah, each you increase. Don't, you don't exactly spend points on the actual stats like you would in like an RPG game or something For like example, that. an ability score of 14 costs 6 points, whereas a score of 16 costs 10 points. This is broken down really nicely in the core rulebook and, and on the uh, They have on a the nice Wikia. table. It is a great well. table, yeah. It's, um, it's not <laughs> – honestly, I've never – Fully understood it, the math behind it myself. I just fuck around with 3.5 statarray.com <laughs> until it until it looks right and has the point by value I need. It's I, Saga Forge too has a great point by. Saga Forge yeah. does count the point by very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn of Defiance is one of the beginner modules for yep. Saga Edition, yep. and that has a unique rule where you do 28 point by. 28 point by, which I did in our first campaign because yes. we started the Dawn of Defiance, and um, it was nice. Absolutely, kind of kind of nice little. Nice little power bump. Oh, totally. And especially if you're going up against those, you know, legions of stormtroopers and you're cutting them down. The CL0 stormtrooper recruits. Exactly. Gotta love them. <laughs> All right, Steven. What abilities... What do they mean? If I'm, you know, if I'm what are playing they? an RPG, I don't really know what abilities are. What the fuck? There are a lot of people out there who have made really great analogies. You know, I saw you paste this in here, and I'd never heard it before. You've so never I'm, heard this before? Never heard this before, so this I'm really is, excited to share it with everyone. This is uh, courtesy of Tan620 on Reddit, uh, at least as far, as early as I could find it. Yeah. It is the the tomato analogy for, for so RPG good. stats. Strength is being able to crush a tomato. Dexterity is being able to dodge a tomato. Constitution is being able to eat a bad tomato. Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. And charisma is being able to, fr- to sell a tomato-based fruit salad. Any questions? Uh, well, tomato-based fruit salad one is salsa. Oh, uh, pico de gallo. <laughs> oh, man. Now and, I want a taco. And I know what you're thinking as a newbie to Saga Edition. You're probably thinking, 
why are these the same stats as Dungeons and Dragons? Well, baby, that's because Watsy made it, and <laughs> if they it ain't broke. Don't fix it. <laughs> yep. And these these stats are old, uh, damn yeah. old. Um, not to mention the the forbidden, forgotten seventh attribute score, comeliness. <laughs> you love bringing. Up I love that bringing one. up comeliness. It's what one is of my it? Favorite I don't tributes. even remember what it is. Sexual attractiveness, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> That's what comeliness means. That's awful. That's that's real, right? Yes, Gary Gygax explained it in many times. I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why my comeliness stat is actually 14, even though I I have a charisma stat of 10. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, no. That for those unaware, comeliness was a seventh stat added in some controversial expansions to I think AD and D way back in the day. Those days are long behind us. Um, but. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure almost everyone does, these six stats form the basis of a character's abilities, stretching back deep into role-playing's history, uh, even as far back as, like, wargaming and LARPing. And, like, in those games, different classes uh, use those stats in different ways. Yes. And some of them prefer other stats to be higher. Yes, and because Saga Edition is part of that legacy, part of that family of game design, the stats show up here, too. Each class, of course, in older D&D, and, of course, here in Saga Edition, kind of leans into different ability scores more than others, generally speaking. But if you find that you want your noble to have a, str- a big strength score, um, then that will absolutely work too. It could be a surprising turn for your party members. Like, oh, w- what do you mean your strength is plus four? Mm-hmm. and or, or your intimidation skill is higher because of this or something like yeah. that. There's lots of talents and player options in Saga Edition that can kind of foster these unorthodox combinations of abilities and class. And... That's one of its strongest points. I I agree. I agree. Jedi are in a unique position, too, where they can stand to benefit from just about every ability score. That's called, you've probably heard, MAD, uh, mul- multiple attribute dependency, where they're kind of tugged in many different directions. Uh, this is considered a kind of a balancing mechanic of the Jedi to not make them too powerful. The, the, it forces very, them to choose one thing to be good at when they could technically excel at most anything. That's, that very much sounds like something the Jedi would say. Yeah. <laughs> So once you've got your stats all picked out, uh, you don't necessarily need to decide which scores, which ability yet, because mm-hmm. you have still haven't done the second biggest part, yeah. uh, which is choosing a species. So choosing a species is pretty, pretty much the second part. Of yeah, and you are not short on options in this system, let no. me tell you. But for brevity's sake, yes. we have chosen to limit ourselves to the main core uh the like the core rule the core book, book. and listener, if you're overwhelmed by the various options in Saga Edition, I can't help but recommend doing this as well at your own table. Uh, the core rulebook is beautiful, um, balanced, not subject to the same. Oh, what's the word? Power creep that kind of plagued Swissy, especially in, in the, for a few different books. Um, the core rulebook's gold. Uh, if you're overwhelmed, if you feel intimidated, stick to the core rulebook. It's worth it. Different species have different bonuses to stats. Some have bonuses to dex, constitution, or strength. Or, and so a lot of them have minuses to something else as well, just to keep it all balanced. Yeah. Uh, some have access to special species feats or can re-roll certain skills out of the box. Absolutely. Uh, Zabrak can re-roll perception. So cool. they have to take the lower one. Yep. Um, they take the second one, even if it's lower, rather. Yes. Some get bonuses such as swim speeds and low-light vision for the Mon Calamari. It's, that's Admiral Akbar's race. Yep. They just get a swim speed straight up, which is really cool, and they Love can it. breathe underwater. So cool. Uh, some have special exotic weapons that they can treat as normal weapons, such as the Wookiee Bowcaster. Absolutely. For a human player or a human character, it would be an exotic weapon ranged. Yep. It's like a special proficiency to even be able to use it without a penalty. But for Wookiees, they can use one right out of the box. It does not mean, however, that they get one out of the box. That's you correct. You have to spend your credits 
that you get for your class. We'll talk about that later. Yes. On that item. Uh, most species have a speed of six squares, with the exceptions being species of sizes other than medium. Yep. Uh, some GMs can restrict species based on era of play, like I said earlier about Ewoks being an Old Republic. Yeah. They technically haven't been discovered yet, but ultimately it's collaborative storytelling. So if you have a good reason or if your GM wants to come up with a good reason with you, then feel free to go for it. 100%. Oh, then homebrew species, the redheaded mm-hmm. stepchild of yeah. Star Wars species. Mm-hmm. I, all right. Don't the, show up to the table with a homebrew species. Just don't. Ask please, first. Don't, ask, ask first. first. Always ask this first. This is why Session Zero is good. Yes. Because that way I can be like, well, why can't I be the six-armed giant mecha lizard? Uh, the, 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 the colossal killick. I can play as a yeah. colossal killick. Why not? It says right here. I totally can. Yeah, I wrote it down in the book with <laughs> permanent marker. It says I can play a colossal killick. Let me. <laughs> After you've chosen your species, you must choose your class, which is a kind of nebulous way of saying like what they what their skills are or yeah. what their sort of abilities uh help them excel at. And this is where you need to stop thinking of this game as Star Wars D&D. This is where you need to think of it as Saga Edition. It's yeah. its own thing. These classes are much less rigid than really any other game of the time, at least any other D20 based game of the time. Think about it this way. In you ha- in D&D you have healers, casters, tanks, Yep. Etc. Mm-hmm. In Saga Edition, you don't necessarily have casters. No. More like everyone kind of does range stuff, and yeah. then Jedi can do force powers. These classes encompass families of styles of play. And their names even are important, but ignorable. Even Rodney Thompson famously wanted people to ignore the names for everything in this game, especially the class. The Jedi, for example, Such is a... not necessarily a member of the Jedi Order. No, yeah, it's someone who is force sensitive and has a lightsaber. Yeah. Which could be dark Jedi. could be someone who's a Jedi by birthright or something like that. Not necessarily someone who's been training since they were five years old to be a Jedi. Precisely. Choosing a class. We're talking about how, so Jedi have access to talent trees Mm -hmm. that other classes don't have. Yeah. Being a Jedi starting, you get the force sensitive feat, which gives you access to the force talent tree. Yep, and which which is, of course, we should be clear, is available to anyone at any time who has the Force sensitivity feat, yes. So Jedi have talent trees that have to do with using the Force, whereas nobles have talent trees regarding the using their eloquence and resources to their advantage. Nobles get access to the lineage talent tree, which each of them have their own bonuses that the other ones don't have. And they're interesting in that way. Um, Certain classes gain more feats and skills at first level than others. Soldiers get starting out armor proficiency. Which yes. normally for other characters would be one or two feats. So pretty difficult levels. to get if you're not a soldier. Exactly. Uh, and then, but scouts get the most skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're the only ones who can train in survival. They are. They are. Uh, once you've picked a class, you do have to assign ability scores. This is the part where you've got your numbers. Your numbers are all jumbled around. Now it's time to put the numbers in places. Yep. Put your eight in con. Put your eight in con. <laughs> <laughs> um, me personally, since I've played Saga Edition so much. I like to do ability score generation after I've picked out a class and species. Yeah. That way, if I want to play a more balanced character, I can kind of, if I'm, especially if I'm doing like point by or something, I can move those, those numbers around where I need them. And then you got to do a lot of math. Not a lot. So much math. And a good amount of math to calculate your hit points, your defenses, your damage threshold, your speed and attack bonuses. We're not going to sit here on the air and do the math with you. You're mostly adding 10 to ability scores and subtracting things here and there. This is probably the most math you'll have to do ever in the system. 
This is absolutely another reason that you'd want a session zero with your DM who's played before. Order that a pizza, get some soda, sit oh. down and do your little math worksheet together. Yeah. Nothing better. It's like homework. It but is. But with friends. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, each class has a different way to calculate their HP and different hit die. Um, Noble and Scoundrels start with 18 plus their con mod. Scout gets 24 plus their con mod. And Jedi and Soldier each get 30 plus their con mod. Uh, then we can talk about, you know, calculating defenses. It's has to do with your class bonus, yeah. depending on what class you pick. The defenses, for those who don't know, are uh, the scores that numbers have to roll to hit to affect your character in certain ways. Yes, Will indeed. defense for, like, mind control, fortitude defense for, like, being poisoned, and reflex defense for being hit. Most of the time, you're probably going to be looking at your reflex defense, and it's a little bit of a misnomer. Not really. I'm, I'm happy with the name. Um, your armor bonus is a factor in your reflex defense, and yeah. that, of course, comes from armor. We don't really think about armor and reflexes being part of the same calculation, but they are. Maybe it's how quickly you can utilize your armor to take the full brunt of a hit so that you aren't damaged. Which, like is, that. which I think is why newer systems use the term armor class. Yes. Because armor plays a much more important role in that number than at first you'd believe. There's no AC here. I don't want to hear you no. say it. There's no <laughs> defensive saves here either. I don't want to hear any of that. Forget, get those out of your brain. They do not exist in Saga. There's no DCs either. Nope. No reflex DCs, fortune nope. DCs. Get those out of your head. Nope. They are attacks against those particular defenses. More dice rolling, more fun. <laughs> more dice rolling, more fun. Damage threshold, the sleeper most important stat in the game. Why is yeah. that? <laughs> because it determines how you travel along the condition track. Absolutely. If your damage threshold's eight, and you get hit with like a stun that deals eight damage, you move down two steps. See ya. That's you, minus two to everything. Yep. Attacks, defenses, skill checks, including your damage, your damage threshold. threshold. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful, actually. It's so it's so rough. That's why, you know, if your players are being a little uh on the up and up and they, they look look cocky for their boots, yeah. too big for their britches. Hit them with the CT killer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really just put them in their place. No, you uh, put them down three <laughs> steps on that condition track. They're at minus five to everything. They'll, they'll humble up real quick. Um, the condition but I've still got 180 hit points. <laughs> well, Doesn't <you're>... matter. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. You're helpless. <laughs> Seriously. Um, the damage threshold is simply your fortitude defense. Anything that influences your fortitude defense will also influence your damage threshold. And there's quite a few things out there, I think straight up feats, that can also increase your damage threshold independent of, of your fortitude or defense. Or let you use different stats other than constitution when it comes to determining your damage threshold. Yes, indeed. Which, in, in that case, yeah, go ahead and make Khan your dump stat. <laughs> there's one that lets you use your will defense in yes, place of your is. fortitude for damage threshold. That's, I think that's it's literally cool. called force of will. I, I might be wrong. I think you're right. I think you're right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, yeah, please. Um... Base attack bonus. Every class gives you a bonus to BAB. Yep. Not necessarily at first level, though. Nope. But as you progress, you will get higher and higher BAB. Jedi and Soldiers start with that BAB of one and increases by one each level. Other classes... It's kind of like staggered. I was about to say, it's like staggered. Yeah, so it's zero, it's and one, yeah. and then still one again, and then two. Yes. Yeah. Force points. What are force points? They are so useful in this system. It's a really cool, you know, you don't have to be force sensitive to know force points. In Wait, case, so my scoundrel who doesn't have force sensitivity can still use force points? Yes. In the case of like Han Solo, he would just consider himself lucky. He doesn't think of himself as having the force flow through him. But Indeed. as we know, it flows through all things. Uh, characters start with five force points unless they have feats or talents that provide additional force points. You can spend a force point to not die to add, uh, at, I think at level one, a D6 to a skill check, attack roll, uh, yeah, to a skill yeah, check, skill or, check attack or attack roll. roll. But if you have certain feats, you can also add that to your defenses. Yes, indeed. 
Um, there's lots. Anyone who's taken even a, a small peek at the core rulebook probably knows that there's a plethora of talents and feats and force powers, too, that uh, really, really lean heavy into using force points at opportune yes. times. Which is um, why some, you know, DMs like different rules for force points we've talked about in the past, like the daily force point rule or uh, gaining temporary force points from certain talents, stuff like that. It's fun. It is. They're definitely something that should be more used uh, by players who don't necessarily think about it. Yes, they're easily forgotten by players, so always remind your players that they're there. Especially the ones where they can use a force point to not die. Yes. To just go down to zero and then not, you know, not die instantly, which is great. On level up, players will lose any remaining force points they have and then be given a new total based on their new level. Yes. Because it's five plus half your level. Typically, there are exceptions to that. All right. Skills. Skills are pretty prevalent in most RPGs. Absolutely. I mean, they, they drive the story. When a player wants to do something, they should turn to their list of skills, things that they can do. Yeah, as cool as it is just to say you're good at something, uh, it's better to put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. And even better yet, you know, a, a smart player, not okay, not smart player, an engaged player um, simply says what they want to do and a game master assigns them a skill role. Absolutely. This requires both the players and the game masters having a great idea of what these skills can do. I was once uh, about, I was like a few months into a, a weekly Saga Edition campaign and a player looked at me dead in the eye and said, wait, there's an acrobatic skill? So that's a failure on one. you. That's a failure on you as a DM, Stephen. You're awful. <laughs> so it's the first one alphabetically on top of the list. You, you know? know what they say: those who can't do teach, and that's why you're the host of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> some damn some, right. Damn some right. skills can't be used untrained, uh, like mechanics. Mechanics is a big one. Uh, uh, use computer treat injury, treat injury, and some uses of use computer. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about feats. We've talked about feats in the past. Yeah. But for those who aren't foot fetishists, what are feats, Stephen? Wow. Um, sorry, you totally caught me off guard there. <laughs> uh, feats are options that you can choose at every level. Every uh, every third level, you get a feat. Uh, and you can choose any feat you meet the prerequisites for. Uh, but every even class level, you get a bonus feat specific to that class. A bonus feat is the same as a normal feat, except you can choose from a very limited list. These limited lists are spread widely throughout each source book or conveniently compiled on the wikia. Absolutely. And these are very sensible choices that specific for that class's play style. Like, for example, an example bonus feat for Jedi is acrobatic strike. Dual weapon mastery. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mobility. Uh, and certain species will have access to species specific feats. Yes, indeed. I think Trendoshans can get uh, regenerative healing. Or something like that. And then I know for a fact um, Zabrix can get increased defenses where they lose one of their defense bonuses and add it to another one. Twi'leks have a great one called Jedi Heritage. Uh, that's very yes, nice. It lets well. them uh, uh, reroll lowest used force. Oh, let me let me check. Something with their force points, I'm pretty sure. It's for, yeah, it might make their, I think it gives them more force. No, it's more uh, more force powers. More force powers. Wow, yeah. okay, yeah. Your wisdom score is considered to be four points higher for the purpose of determining how many force powers you gain from force training. That is sick. What? Yeah. That is so cool. Grants you two extra force powers for each force training feat. And it also depends on how little clothing you wear, right? That's yes, what, yeah. That's the, all we've seen when it comes to Twi'leks being Jedi. Apparently. <laughs> and being French. God, why they have to? What do we do to deserve Frenchy Jedi, man, or Frenchy Twi'leks? French Twi'lek Jedi. Why? Like why? Uh, also, human. Uh, start instead of playing an alien because you're a loser. Uh, being a human 
<laughs> gives you a bonus feat and a bonus train skill at level. Yes, and those are important to keep track of. You forget. Now, feats aren't necessarily specific to classes, no. but talents are. Yes. So talents are like feats older brother, which ha- can drive and can do cooler things. That's <laughs> probably the best analogy I've ever, like, I've had new players ask me, like, what the hell is the difference between talent and a feat? Um, I think I'm going to be using that analogy from now on. Talent's the, cool, talent's the cooler older brother. Talent's the cooler older brother that can, that smokes cigarettes and can drive. Um, your character is defined by your talents, straight up. What you can do in combat, how you respond to encounters, that's your talents. Your the strengths. feats are little tricks, like yeah. spinning. <laughs> like new Ta- tricks. <laughs> talents are the beef of your character. For sure, for sure. Um, and some talents do have feats as prerequisites and vice versa. Actually. Absolutely. Starting credits. Uh, another great way to get boned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when dice rolling at character creation is probably the worst time to be doing dice rolling. Uh, yeah, for certain classes, I think for Scout, it's 3D4 times 250, whereas for Jedi, it's 3D4 times 100. 100 credits. Well, yeah, because you're a Jedi. You, you already have a lightsaber. You, you know, you don't need, need much more than that. You're just, you, don't, you're, you don't need material goods. You're aesthetic lifestyle. Yeah, no, precisely. Um, whereas guns are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get free guns. <laughs> a lot of game masters hand out the average credit roll for each class or the max roll for each credits to, to, for credits to each class. Um, or if you're playing at a higher level, uh, average per level. That's what I do. If we're starting at level eight, I will give them the full starting creds and then an average of each roll for each level. That's just kind of a quick, dirty thing I do. Um, But yeah, consider handing out max creds to your party. Consider handing out average starting creds to your party. If you don't care, roll it. You can get some pretty hilarious results. Um, When I was rolling up my Jedi, you'll see in a sec, I got 400 starting credits, which was not even enough. For the coveted utility belt, the, the starting player's dream come true. I was about to say, one of the best general equipment items in the game. I agree. Uh, if you're starting out, consider the utility belt. If you rolled high enough to afford it. <laughs> we can't all be trust fund Jedi, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steven, I'm, my character's done, right? I've got my, my stats. I've got my credits. Seems so. Um, well, no, actually, there's one thing. You forgot the gravy. The juice. The sauce. The goods. <laughs> The parts of my character. Who (laughs) is your character? What's their name? Their life experiences, their age, their hair, their height, their McDonald's order. Yeah. Their Chipotle order. That's a classic. (laughs) You know, you're really in the deep of the RPG, like playing with your friends when you know what your character's Chipotle order is. Our Pathfinder party each has their (laughs) own Chipotle order. Um, Backgrounds. Yes. And not just the ones that that you make up because you're having a good time. There's also, uh, a, I think there's a set of rules for backgrounds in SAG edition. Yeah. There's a system in the rebellion era campaign guide. Um, we're going to brush over it briefly because it's kind of a core rulebook episode, but there's various backgrounds you can select that are based on their occupation or their planet of origin or an event that happened to them in the past. Um, these can influence your character's stats and grant them meager abilities and kind of varying degrees of usefulness. Really, it's kind of funny. But what's I think even more important than that is your character's lowercase b background. Yeah. What What's cool about the those backgrounds is I think the idea is they're they're supposed to help you inspire on why your character is an adventurer or why they're a hero now. Yeah. Um. While also not totally breaking the game, you know. <laughs> Backgrounds, you know, should inform your player's worldview, their motivations. Should your background be six pages long? It could be. Yeah. If you want it to be. If if totally. that's something that you and your GM appreciate. Me, I kind of like 
what is a smaller Barbier background. I, I, I like a background that is not like Barbie the doll, right? Yeah, yeah, no, precisely. No, Barbier, like it's got hooks. Oh, okay, like, hooks, bar- even. That's what you meant, you like dumbass. Barbie. I thought you meant like Barbie the doll. I was confused. <laughs> Hooks. Barbie okay. doesn't even have a backstory. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's why I was confused. <laughs> anyway, a hooky, barbier, sticky, like Velcro backstory. Concise, need not short, but concise, direct backstory that puts the character in a fictional world with different levers to pull, different things to explore. And especially at level one, I mean, we all know the, the joke about he was an exiled prince because he was always different. And his parents are both dead. Yeah. And, he and his stands, cousin hates him. And he stands at the back of the cantina. And arms his stepdad, crossed. Ron, doesn't let him have ice cream for dinner. And his <laughs> second cousins from Darth Vader. Like, we've all know that character. Maybe some of us have even rolled up that character in our earlier RPG days. There's no, no shame in it. Take our hats off for them. Because yeah. <laughs> they're, they're being called out in full. That character isn't interesting. Plain out, like, <laughs> like, like, straight up. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to be. I'm not uh, hating on edgy characters. Edgy no, characters absolutely. have their place. Yeah, Don't get sure. me wrong. But that character isn't realistic or convincing or interesting or workable. That character isn't pliable. That character is level one. They should be at the start of their journey. They shouldn't have. Maybe there's a big tragedy in their history, like Order sixty six, or some sort of exile, or maybe they've lost their parents. But a level one character is about to start their life changing adventure. They shouldn't have gone through so much that they're already this callous, cold, unchangeable person. A level one character is at the start of their journey. And that's important to keep in mind. It's an easy pitfall to hold into. Uh, Sorry, easy pitfall to fall into. You can look at other systems for background inspiration as well. Pathfinder 2E just gives you a big old list of like guys like barkeep, cultist. Um, for sure. Orphan. Yeah. Street Urchin. One Street of my favorites. Yeah. The Chosen One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those are all great. Um, there's also Stars Without Number is a is an old school inspired sci-fi RPG that's really kind of super popular done by Kevin Crawford. Yeah. Old head. Really smart guy. You can also take inspiration from Star Wars. Yeah. So look at a Star Wars character. Farm boy whose family's gone. Never knew his dad. Guy who has a friend, and his friend is a Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> That's Han Solo's back. Han Solo was literally it's, it's just weird. a guy. It's actually weird that Disney's never done anything to to kind of, like, improve upon Han Solo's backstory. Like, all, we know more about the Falcon than we, knew about, than we know about Han Solo, to be honest. I mean, you've seen Solo. What? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. How could I forget? What are you talking about? That What's movie that? never What's made Solo? it to theaters. <laughs> Damn that was shame. a glimpse in that was like a glint in Kathleen Kennedy's eye that never made the God fruition. if only, right? We're in the good timeline. <laughs> it was Chewbacca where he's got a family that he only sees on life day and never again. And also he dates Maz Kanata, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> See now this is this is what we're talking about. Backstories. Concise. Barbie. Uh, or be um personally what I like to do is I like to keep my backstories generally open. Maybe yeah. Think about who the immediate family of my character is and what they were doing immediately before the campaign started. Yeah. Uh, for example, we were in our Pathfinder game. My character is like a 250-year-old dwarf cleric. Yeah. And all what he did before was go door-to-door and pretend to be a cleric. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't need to talk about who he was, well, who his childhood friends were, 
or how he skinned his knee when he was six and, and made him hate trolls or whatever. Because the campaign is his life-defining adventure. Absolutely. That's all. Yeah, that is a key thing yes. to keep in mind for your players. Mm-hmm. The campaign is their life-defining adventure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast. As always, Stephen and I, we've got a new patron. We got a new patron. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being our dear listener, patron, and enjoyer of the Dark Times podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we've got quite a few patrons on there now. I think we're up to a whopping five. So I'm feeling pretty good about that, guys. What does being a patron get them, Stephen? Well, Sam, our Patreon has a few things on there right now, but we've got a lot of big plans. You've put some resources up there, some maps, I think, right? I made some maps and tokens on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Future maps I use, I'll probably put on there as well, just because they're nice to have. This week, I'm putting up the republished edition. It's happening? Yes, it is. It's happening. It's here? It might be up there by the time people are hearing this episode. Well, let's not not get their hopes up. (laughs) Uh, give yourself a little leeway. I've had such a horrible month um, <laughs> that has made finishing it so hard. But we're at the finish line. Um, I'm republishing my hex crawl exploration guide in full color. Really? I didn't it, it was know col- that. It was color before. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I've made some formatting changes and some wording adjustments and even included some extra bonus alternative rules. Uh, and the format I've chosen is a direct inspire from the Star Wars Saga Edition core rulebook. Um, it uses the same margins, same font, same format. That's fun. Uh, curved edges abound. Um, I think people will like it when they when they take a look at it. Can you get on the Patreon, drop five bucks, download the PDF, and cancel your subscription? Absolutely. Yeah, you totally I'd be ha- perfectly happy if you did that. Um, I'm also going to put up, I've designed a skill challenge for uh, my Starfighter Squadron campaign. After you guys run it this coming Sunday, um, I'll put it up there too That's for so them. That's so cool. You know what, while we're at it. I was interested in doing, since we've got these characters that we're going to be making, some pre-gens, level one. Yeah. Maybe we could, as the episodes go on, we'll do a full adventure module. Slowly build into adventure module? That's pretty ambitious, but I think I'd be excited to do that. Maybe a few encounters or something. Yeah, absolutely. The basis, because who runs through a full adventure module anyway? Certainly not me. You'll do three sessions and then you'll do your own stuff because it's more fun that way. And that's great. But I think my idea is I want us to slowly build something that helps a DM teach players who've never played Sag Edition before kind of how the system works. Absolutely. Just slowly overall, you know, we include like handouts you've made or hand, and, and handouts that we've put together and stuff yeah, like that. hundred percent. And I know for a fact you want to get those stickers. We want to get stickers. We're looking into that because that's we'll really cool and I really want one. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you want stickers, let us know. Yes. No one's told us they want stickers yet. No one's mentioned it. Yeah. Maybe they don't want stickers. But I want stickers. I want Steven. stickers. Yeah. <laughs> And also, uh, eventually, if, if we get big enough, I think we'll do a patron-only Discord or something Yeah, like absolutely. That. Something, yeah. We, we're trying not to splinter you guys too much, because by now, it would probably be cool to have a patron-only Discord, but the Swissy community is so small, and we want to be out there with the rest absolutely. of you. We don't want to be drawing different corners, different insular communities for the same thing, because, hey, we're not we all carpe- love it. We're not compartmentalizing our no. community already. No, sure. not at all what we want to do. And, you know, Sam's thrown around a couple neat ideas about, like, if we get a few more patrons, maybe special, like, I don't know, Minecraft stream or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something, yeah. something the live chat. You got some other podcast, stuff in the pipeline. Some, something we'll like that. About. Maybe we'll, we'll see something like that down the line. Uh, but also, even if you're not a patron, the other ways you can support the show is by checking us out on Twitter, emailing us. The Twitter's at DarkTimesSWSE or emailing us at DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. You can also review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think even on Google podcasts. I might be wrong, but you know, uh, you get shout outs for doing the ratings or any, you know, prove us. If you prove that you rated us five stars on Spotify, then we'll do a shout out for you too. Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think that's about it, Stephen. Let's get back into the rest of the episode. Let's get back to the show. Stephen, you made character. You I made, made a character. We both made a character. We had homework. We had Our homework. homework was to make level one characters to share with you guys. And we did it. Using the, the, the tools we have taught you today, hopefully maybe by the next episode, you'll have a level one character that you've made and you want to share with us. I would love to hear it if you do. Yeah. Let's um, talk about yours first. Cool. I got <laughs> Tila Onari, Padawan in hiding. A little blip, a better backstory here. Tila, a survivor of Order 66, lives out her days in a mundane storehouse job, shifting crates around on a repulsor forklift. Despite great efforts to conceal her past, everything changes during a chance encounter with a group of would-be heroes. And that's her backstory. So we're talking about level one Jedi. Level what, one Jedi. Uh, Zabrik, you said? A Zabrik, yes. Level I didn't say it, Zabrik. but... Well, you told me. Uh, I told you, yeah. <laughs> level one Zabrik Jedi. And what? as much as I'd love to verbatim list off every line in the stat block, instead I've compiled a convenient little highlights here. The her, stat block will, of course, be available in the description of the episode. Absolutely. This, her strength score, 15. Dex, 8, Con, 10, Int, 12, Wisdom, 13, and Charisma, 14. Those listeners who are listening closely will recognize that's the standard stat array for Saga Edition. This is a classic melee-focused beat-faced Jedi. High strength and high charisma. For my one talent, I took Deflect. I mean, how could you go wrong? Ranged enemies are very common, and Deflect is most potent at lowest levels. And she's got a low deck score to boot. She actually only needs to roll a six on her use the force skill to exceed her reflex defense. So, and if she's trained and her, what her charisma is 14, yes, plus seven to use the force. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's That's great. So she's got a small force power suite because that wisdom is only 13, but that's okay. Like I said, the, the beat face with the stick is, is the focus here. Uh, she's got battle strike good for beating face and move object because God, have you seen the amount of damage that fourth power can deal? <laughs> yeah, especially on. higher DCs. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's trained and use the force uh, perception. She can re-roll and take the worst of, of that one. Or no, sorry, it's re-roll and take the second, even if it's even worse. Even if it's worse, yeah. Uh, and also trained in acrobatics. She's not quite statted for acrobatics with that eight and dex at the minus one. But can you imagine a Jedi like of the Jedi Order not trained in acrobatics? Yeah, that would be pretty sad. At melee range. That'd be like a legacy era Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At melee range, she's probably going to be doing quite a bit of tumbling to save her own skin. So that's that's that. Uh, I only rolled 400 credits. So in addition to my master's lightsaber, I've got um, a short range comlink, a breath mask, a basic data pad and a glow rod. I think that left me with like 65 spending credits. So that's 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 good for a few meals. Absolutely. Um, Got a long handled lightsaber with a yellow blade with a plus three attack bonus and 2d8 plus four damage. Pretty beefy for level one. I chose a long-handed lightsaber, long-handled lightsaber for not really any particular reason other than I just like choosing something different. Yeah, you, uh, know, you don't have to always play a blue, nope. normal lightsaber blade. No, you don't. And uh, since she's a level one Jedi, this is her master's lightsaber. She will have the opportunity to build one once she's crossed the level seven threshold. Um, I'm choosing to keep the double strength bonus instead of replacing the base damage with 2d10. 2d10 plus 2 and 2d8 plus 4 have the same average for those stat buffs out there. But 2d10 plus 2 has a lower minimum and higher deviation. So That's good. Yeah, you, it's, you're keeping it more tight with uh, the minimum being a, uh, a d8. Yeah, d8. Instead of a d10, absolutely. And she understands tree rook because uh, at her job she had a Wookiee foreman. Nice. Oh, it's something we both took uh, yes, for our yes. characters that we noticed. Actually, so my character I made uh, is Teth Ranth. Nice. Sneaky little human scout. Such a great 
um, great Star Wars name. Thank I you. I came up with it. Yeah. Uh, I actually made Teth as a, as a Zabrek as well. And, yes. and we realized <laughs> we, didn't we compared realize, notes. Yeah, we realized we didn't ask each other what our builds were but ahead of time. We knew what classes they were, but we yeah. didn't know what species. And just for, for sake of a variation in party, it could be cool if two of your players show up to yeah. uh, the, the Session Zero with both Mira Luca and they didn't know the other person was playing a Mira Luca. Hell, how many humans are centered in the movies? Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. There was totally nothing wrong with being multiple humans. No. Or multiple of any species. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Teth Rath, her backstory is sneaking around. Teth makes her living gathering information on competitors for corporations. At least she would if she didn't muck up her last job. Now she owes the wrong amount of money to the wrong kind of people. In an attempt to escape from some debt collectors, a chance run in with the party sends her on the adventure of a lifetime. Fantastic. Yeah. We're looking at on a stat array with the standard stat array. Strength 10, Dex 15, Con 13, Int 14, Wisdom 12, and Charisma 8. And I took Con 13 because... Scouts at level one can get access to the shake it off feat if they have a 13 constitution, which lets them go up the condition track for two swift actions instead of three, which is insane. So good. Insane for the action economy. So good. It's a stealth focused build. I gave her a camo poncho, Mm -hmm. which gives her plus five to stealth checks, putting her up to plus 12. If at level two, the player wants to take skill focus stealth, you're at plus 17 at level two. That's insane. Pretty nuts. Uh, she's got combat reflexes, so she can make a tactical opportunity with her with her blaster carbine up to three times per round, which ain't bad. Not bad. Uh, a cunning attack, which gets plus two to attack against flat-footed enemies or enemies denied their dex bonus to reflex defense, like when you're not being noticed because you're stealthing because you have a high stealth. Absolutely. As we talked about at the beginning of the episode. She's got the evasion talent because it's a scout staple. You got to take it. It's a potatoes and meat talent. For sure. Right For those there. who don't yeah. know, it's... Uh, normally, when you hit with an area attack, you take half damage on a on a miss and full mm-hmm. damage on a success. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the evasion talent, you take no damage on a miss and half damage on a success. And you could even up that further with other talents or feats if you wanted to. Yep. Uh, I rolled 1,200 credits, 3, 4 times 250, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after all the gear I bought her, down to 45 credits. She sees basic Huttese and Shrewook because Star Wars, baby. That's Star Wars, baby. If you owe someone money, you probably speak Huttese. <laughs> As far as we can tell, that's the truth. So those builds, uh, the two that we talked about in the show, are going to be available in the description. However, we're going to make builds for all the other heroic classes, which are only going to be available on the Patreon. Yes, indeed. For this sort of, um, for, for the module that we're kind of slowly putting together piece by piece. Yeah, this will be kind of the example party for that module. And uh, yeah. you'll be able to see the soldier, the noble, and the scoundrel up on the Patreon. Uh, however, the ones we read off here are right in the description for you to view. Last week, we announced our Intrigue build showcase. We are now one week from the due date, or sorry, less than one week from the due date as of this recording. Sunday, March 6th, get your build into us. They must be level 10. They must have one level of either Saboteur or Infiltrator. And this is an Intrigue build showcase. Think hard about what kind of... Uh, are you going the more 007 route? Are you <laughs> yes, going- I would love to see the 007 Star Wars character. Are you going more the the flamboyant, uh, non-discriminate destroyer, explosive guy, heavy weapons yeah, guy? Totally. Well, not not you get it. Are they ISB? Are they Rebel Intelligence? Are they Bothan Spynet? What what's their whole deal? Who as are long they? as they fit into an intrigue campaign, let us know. Get that to us. I mean, I think I got one over Discord DMs once. Email's probably easiest. Just to keep that it all way we have more on us. track. Yeah, um, and then once we highlight the ones that we enjoyed the most, it'll go up to a poll on our Patreon. 
But uh, all the builds will be available in the description of the episode we talk about. Yes, today. yes. The builds will be – every build we highlight will be available in the episode description. The voting, only the voting, will take place on the Patreon. Yeah, and that's just to make it more fun. Yeah, just to make it more fun for all around. And then um, – we, yeah. we talk about the ones that we like, but we don't pick a clear winner. No. We leave that up to the, the community on our Patreon. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Dark Times Podcast. Uh, I'm a, my name is Sam. I produce and edit the show. Steven here is my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or you can email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, anything like that, the builds you want to do for the build contest or ideas for future build contests. if you have anything like that. Um, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Your lightsabers will make a fine addition to my collection. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Very emotional, meaningful quote. Yeah. Oh, can next week can our can our intro be this podcast is your life. Don't lose it. That's that's pretty good. I think it might have to be. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Fantastic. <laughs> My allegiance with the podcast with democracy. <laughs> what a good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show.